Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. All right, so conscience. What is conscience? So last week, Brother Kevin said um, a few definitions for conscience. Uh, One of them being conscience is your awareness of what you believe is right and wrong. Um, and that's pretty simple, right? It's, it's what you believe, what you believe is right and wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean that what I believe is right is the same for you. Um, there are some universal truths. We know that based on the Bible, but um, in, the, in, t- in the context of the conscience, everyone's conscience is different. Everyone has, everyone has a conscience, but everyone's conscience is different. In the world, they call it your moral compass, right? They say your moral compass is off or is different. Um, this one's cheesy, but I'm going to use it anyway. I call it your GPS, your God positioning system, <laughs> right? Because God has given us all a conscience. Even if you're not saved, even if you're a sinner, the Bible says that the law, God has written the law in everyone's hearts, right? So everyone has a conscience. Um, and we all act, we do different things based on that conscience, on what we believe is right or wrong. So you have some people who believe abortion is okay. You have some people who believe abortion is wrong. We know from scripture that abortion is wrong, right? And God says that abortion is wrong, but you have people who can get an abortion, for example, and their conscience is clear, right? So everyone's conscience is different. And so we have to be careful, especially as Christians, how we're shaping our conscience. Uh, Brother Kevin talked about it last week. We have to be careful of what we're consuming, what's informing our conscience of what's right and wrong. Um, I had a little uh, illustration I was thinking about while I was preparing for this. And so uh, a good way to think of conscience is, like I said, your GPS, right? So we all have GPSs on our phones. Who had an iPhone back in, uh, what was that, the iPhone 6, I think it was? Yeah. Okay, all right. I think we're all saved here. No Android users, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, okay, so if you remember, okay, well, before I say that, what what are some of the apps that you guys use now for a GPS? Is it Waze? Is it Google Maps? Does anybody use Apple Maps? Sometimes, right? Okay, why? Because Apple Maps is the default map for Apple, right? So why don't you use Apple Maps? You know, like the interface. Okay. Anybody else? Just because? <laughs> okay. The reason I don't use Apple Maps anymore is because when Apple Maps came out in 2012, it was horrible. Horrible. It was it was all over the news. Um, it was sending people down railroad tracks and sending people into into off of bridges that weren't built yet and. All just all types of stuff. So it was just horrible. And so it was so bad that Apple actually in the App Store was recommending other apps, other GPS devices. Right. And so, like, I got a couple of examples here. Um, this one is actually this is it's directing you. That's a train track right there. <laughs> and it's telling you to go down. It took you eight minutes, but you got to go on the train tracks. Um, <laughs> this one here is the Washington Monument. That's about. 30 miles away. <laughs> um, the actual Washington Monument is where that red arrow is, and that's where it's telling you to go. And uh, this one is, is telling you to go across some water that 
it's not there on the map, but it clearly is there on the <laughs> actual map. <laughs> so because of that, um, yeah, I don't use Apple Maps. It's gotten a lot better, but I don't use Apple Maps anymore because of that. It's just out of habit. But that's, um, I said that to say, we all use different mapping devices, right? And because of things like that, they all might send you a different route. They all, you have your reasons why you use that one over a different one. You, you feel like it's more accurate, faster, whatever, what have you. And so um, that's kind of like how your conscience is, right? My conscience, my GPS, if I use Apple Maps, it might tell me to get here to take the turnpike. You might use the same, you might use Google Maps and it'll tell you to take the parkway. They're both gonna get us here at a reasonable time, whatever time it says I'm gonna get here, but I might feel like, well, Apple Maps is right because I always take the turnpike and it's always faster, even though it might not be, right? It's subjective. Um, and so it's the same thing with your conscience. You feel like certain things you're always right and some, some things you're like, nah, that's not right. I don't agree with that. And so um, that's why I said uh, the GPS, the God positioning system, it's the, same, it's the same idea. Like it's taking you, God is taking you on a journey and it might be different for each of us, right? Based on how our GPS is calibrated. So like Apple Maps, they, they, when they did studies and they were trying to figure out what the problem was, they realized that Apple Maps didn't have, Apple didn't have enough data to inform the GPS of the correct directions and different things like that. Whereas Google, because they had been doing um, Google Earth and Street View and all those things, and they got the cars that drive around, um, had a lot more accurate data. And so Google was a lot more accurate. Even today, uh, I did some research, Google Maps updates 200, 200 million times a day, right? It's literally updating every second. And so that's why you can be driving and all of a sudden it's like new update for a new route update, right? And it's like, take this way. And you're like, wait a minute, you told me go this way for 15 minutes, now you're telling me to take this way because it's constantly updating and they're constantly getting new data, constantly being fed and then with, with seven billion people under your earth and I don't know how many people have cell phones, they're constantly getting that information, updates, traffic updates, weather updates, um, road closures, everything like that that happens, accidents. Um, you know, police, <laughs> if you use ways, police on the side of the road, <laughs> um, checkpoints, all those different things, constantly getting updates, right? And so I look at it like we should be doing the same thing with our conscience. The Holy Spirit, God, should constantly be giving us updates. We should constantly be getting updates from God 200 million times a day plus, right, of what, um, of what we should be, how we should be conducting ourselves in our lives. Um, and so I got this quote from uh, Thomas Aquinas. He's a famous um, theologian uh, from years ago. Uh, and it says, every judgment of conscience, be it right or wrong, be it about things evil in themselves or morally indifferent is obligatory. And such that he who acts against his conscience always sins. And so even if you're right, you can, you can, so basically he's saying, whether you're right or wrong, if you're acting against your conscience, you're sinning. You're basically sinning because your conscience was, is, is being directed by God. Even, like I said, even the sinner 
its conscience is being directed by God. They don't know it or they don't acknowledge it, but their conscience is being informed and directed by God because God has written the law on all of our hearts, right? So um, I got another quote. Uh, this is from Martin Luther. This is when he was on trial for uh, heresy after his 99 Theses and um, basically the start of the refora- Reformation and all of that. He says, uh, he, he said, unless I am convicted by scripture in plain reason, I do not accept the, th- the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything for for it to go against conscience is for it to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no do. Uh, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. And so he's saying I can I cannot and will not recant anything that I said. Again, this is his ninety nine theses of of the, against the Catholic Church. Um, for to go against my conscience is neither right nor safe. Yeah. Right. So he's saying, I believe that what I'm saying is true. I believe that these 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 99 theses, these 99 protests. Um, that's how we got the term Protestant, which we all are, um, against the Catholic Church, are right. I believe they're God given, and I believe they're right. And I can't go against my conscience. Even if I might be wrong, I cannot and I will not go against my conscience because it's not right nor safe. Because as we saw with Thomas Aquinas, any man who goes against his conscience is sinning. Right. And um, so I have a scripture for that as well. Um, Go with me to. Where is it? First Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11. It was hot in here and then it got cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so First Corinthians 11, verse 31. Um, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And it says, but if we would examine ourselves we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Mm-hmm. So Paul, is saying, Paul here, is, he was actually talking about the, um, the, the previous verses were about um, communion and about people wrongly dis- discerning the, the, the body of Christ when they take communion so that you know, he says, judge yourselves before you take it, because people who, who took it wrongly were um, getting sick and some even died. And so he's saying, so this is a matter of conscience, right? Because you have to judge yourself. And so he's saying, if we examine ourselves, if we would examine ourselves correctly, we would not be judged by God in that way. In other words, the people being sick and dying, right? Because... If we're judging, God is looking and saying, if you're judging yourself correctly, I can only judge you based on how you judge yourself. So I can only judge you based, God can only judge you based on your conscience. Um, because if you know you know better, you do better. You're supposed to anyway, right? <laughs> but if you don't know, then you, you, you can't know what you don't know. And so if you're, even if you're wrong, if you're 
judging yourself based on your own moral conscience, then you're you're safe. It, it, it doesn't mean you're right, but you're safe, right? And so um, that's what Paul is basically saying. If if you judge yourselves accordingly based on your conscience, then God doesn't have to judge you when it comes to how you rightly divide the body of Christ when you take communion um, or judge you so harshly, I should say. Um, and then the second verse uh, is 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And it says... Uh, But people who aren't spiritual, I'm reading our new, new Living Translation again, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God, God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they cannot understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can, can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. So again, we're going back to the same thing of if you're spiritual, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, you can judge certain things correctly that people who aren't saved can't right and so what he's saying here is those who are spiritual can evaluate all things we as christians as believers we can evaluate all things based because we have the word of god but those who aren't they can't and so they cannot be evaluated by others so we can't judge someone else for what we believe um and so again, it's a matter of conscience. We can't we can't judge people based on even other Christians. We can't judge other Christians based on our conscience, Amen. right? Amen. So uh, I got a couple examples here. So um, our conscience again, our consciences might not be the same as others, right? So here we got an example. It's three triangles. Um, and I'm more so explaining this for the audio, but there's three triangles here, and one is a Christian, another one is another Christian, so you have a blue Christian, you have a red Christian, and you have God's standards, right? You see there's points where the, where the triangles overlap, right? But then there's points where they don't. So like the blue Christian, all that's outside of that, I don't think this thing has a point turn. Oh yeah, it does, but it doesn't show up on the screen. So all that's outside of the pink and the green triangle is that Christian's compass. So that could be something like, uh, I don't drink, right? Whereas the, the Christian in the red says, I drink occasionally, right, socially. And then God's standard says, well, you can drink, just don't get drunk. Right. And so the Christian that where every nothing lines up with the other two is saying, I don't drink. I'm not touching it. That's a sin for me. It's you know, it's and that it's not necessarily a sin. Right. Because it doesn't line up with God's standards. But it for them, it's a sin. So they're they're condemned. The Bible says they're condemned by their own conscience. Right. So. Even though, like, we look at the, ver the, the when we, and we'll go there, but in Romans 14, when Paul is talking to the Romans about eating meat that was sacrificed to idols, right, he says, I can eat whatever I want, but 
for the sake of the, the weaker brother or sister mm-hmm. whose conscience tells them, I can't eat meat that's sacrificed to idols, I won't eat it. Mm-hmm. Right? He's like, so when you look at like your conscience and other people's consciences and God's standards, it's not a sin to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols. Paul said, the idols are dumb. They have no power. They can't do anything. Right. And so I don't have any faith in this idol. I don't care. Everything was created by God, including this meat. And so just because you sacrificed it to an idol, don't make no difference to me. It's meat. It's food. Right. But for the sake of my brother or my sister, who they maybe they came from that place where they used to sacrifice meat to idols, that idol has some kind of power. Right. Even if it's just only in their own conscience. Right. And so he says, for that sake, I won't eat it in front of them. Now, when I go home, <laughs> I'm going to tear this chicken up. But in front of them, no, nah, I won't eat it. I'll eat something else. Right. And so that's um, what we often call Christian liberties. Right. Where you have some Christians who like, I've taken all the Christian liberties. Let me do it all. Right. But and then you have some that are say, nah, I'm, I stay away from this. I stay away from that. This is my own personal conviction. Right. That's your conscience. Right. Like so for me personally, um, we got a, we had a podcast a couple of months ago where we talked about secular music. And so because of where I came from and how big a part music played in my life, I don't listen to secular music. Um, like unless it's like at a party or something like that. But like personally, just in my own private time or in the car or whatever, I just don't listen to secular music, especially not like rap and stuff like that. Um, because I spent a lot of time in that world. And so because of that, my personal conviction is I don't listen to secular rap. <laughs> right. Um, but that doesn't mean I can walk around and like, oh, Frank, you can't listen to that. You can't. No. You know, um, like Frank used the example a few weeks ago of a couple of secular songs. And I came like, oh, I'm, I'm turning it off. He don't know what he's talking about. He's off. No, because that's that's my own personal conviction. That's my conscience. And so, no, I'm not going to go back and listen to the song. So I don't know. I, don't, I might not have any idea what he's talking about. I do. But I didn't. I might not have any idea what he's talking about. But um, because of my personal convictions, I can't, you know, I just can't do that. So my, my own moral conscience. Whereas yours might be like, I'll listen to whatever I want. God made music and I'm going to listen. Listen. <laughs> It, it, it entertains me. It's fun. I like to dance, whatever. And so I can listen to whatever I want. And so when we go to Romans 14, Paul talks about, for the sake of your brother or sister, there are some things that you shouldn't do in front of them, but that doesn't mean that you can't do them. Yeah, yeah, right? So um, that's... Uh, so like I said... Um, your conscience is subjective. And when it comes to things that are, when it comes to, at least when it comes to things that are not expressly written in scripture, or if that person is not a Christian, there are certain things that are especially written in scripture that you should not do. And so we know what those are. Those are sin, right? And so those things, doesn't matter if you're saved or you're not saved, it's a sin, right? But um, even in that, the Bible says that the, Sinner, I believe it's Romans 8, says that the sinner will be judged by the law that they live unto themselves, right? So, like, again, like I said, everyone has their own conscience, their own um, convictions, 
And so even the center and, and apologetics is called the argument for morality or the argument or the moral argument for God, where it says that everyone has a, a moral compass. And because of that moral compass, they act according to it. And because of that, God exists. So it's an it's apologetic argument. And usually it's three um, three arguments within the argument. And so there's there's the the like the proposal, if you will, and then there's the reaction and then the the the, con- the conclusion. And so it's um, everyone has a conscience, or everyone has, or yeah, everyone has a conscience. Everyone acts according to their own conscience, and therefore God must have created a conscience, and therefore God exists, right? So again, the same thing. So let's go to Romans fourteen. And it says, uh, it's a lot, so I'm going to kind of skip around, but we can start at verse one. Um, Except other believers who are weak in the faith, and who are weak in faith, sorry, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier, I can't argue with Frank about if he should listen to secular music or not, <laughs> right? Um, for instance, one, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Um, and then he goes on, he gives another example. In the same way, something one day is more holier than another day while others think every day is alike. So this is regarding the Sabbath, right? Um, You should each be fully convinced that whatever day you choose is acceptable. So seven-day Adventists, for example, they condemn Christians because we celebrate, um, not Christians, but because they're Christian too, but um, traditional Christians because we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday, they celebrate on Saturday. And so this is basically a verse to them. They say, whatever day you choose is acceptable. You can celebrate on Tuesday if you want. Right. All the days are the same. Um, Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. So, again, it doesn't really matter what day. They're all the Lord's day. Um, PD says it all the time. Every day is the Lord's day. (laughs) Um, And so it says those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God. Right. You all pray over your food. Right. You all give thanks to God. And so when you eat. So he's saying when you eat, as long as you're giving thanks to God, it doesn't matter what you eat. Um, and it says, so then we'll go down and we'll jump past. And he says, um, verse 12, it says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble, stumble and fall. Uh, verse 14, I know and I am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating, this could be applied to so many different things. <laughs> I'm just thinking about <laughs> vaccines. <clears throat> but don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. 
So again, like I said, if you're acting on your conscience and you believe that you're doing the right thing, you're taking the vaccine, you're eating meat and only meat, you don't want to eat vegetables or vice versa. You only eat vegetables, you don't want to eat meat. You want to go to parties, you don't want to go to parties. You want to drink, you don't want to drink. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter because God is going to judge you based on what you believe is right, as long as it's not a sin, right? Um, so it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes the, another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. So again, build those people up. So even if you don't, you like, if you're like, hey, you know what? I like, I like to have a little wine after work, right? And this is how I relax, that's just how I hang out, that's how I chill, that's just my thing. And somebody else is like another believer, another brother, sister's like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be drinking. That's a sin. Don't argue with them. That's basically what he's saying. Don't argue with them. Keep it between you and God. Right? Um, I believe it's a sin to have an Android. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but I'm not going to argue with you. If you think Apple's better, then do your thing, right? Oh, you think Android's better, do your thing. I'm not going to argue with you. That's between me and God, right? <laughs> um, but it's, a, you know, so again, it's like a verse, what was that, verse 22. You may, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. I'm going to read that part again because that was good. If you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, do something. I'm adding stuff here. (laughs) Preach something, read something, watch something, listen to something, hang out with certain people. And you are sinning if you go ahead and do it anyway. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Right. So, again, there are things that are expressly written in Scripture. I'm not saying go out and sin that we shouldn't do, right? But then there are other things that there are freedoms that are not in that green triangle that people have made into laws, right? That if you made it into a law in your heart and you go ahead and do it anyway, you are sinning, according to the Bible. It's not my words, Paul's words. You can write him a letter, email, send him up a prayer, whatever. <laughs> I'm just the messenger. <laughs> All right? So, um, and, and with that, like, your conscience is, so we all know, your conscience is never 100% in line with God's will, right? So we see that there. Um, your conscience, can, you can have, you can be right in your conscience and still be wrong, right? You can be right in your conscience and still, you can have a clear conscience and still be wrong, right? Paul said, 
and I believe it's I forgot and I didn't write it down. Um, but Paul said in oh actually I did write it down. First Corinthians four. First Corinthians four verse four. He said I. Uh, actually, let's go there. Let's go there and read it. It's always good to read these things. <laughs> he said, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4, again, New Living Translation. I just like the way it words. It's very plain. Um, he says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Yeah. Right? And now he's saying this after this is Paul talking to the Corinthians. This is after his conversion. But let's remember before that he was killing Christians. He watched them stone Stephen. Yeah. Right. He sat. He held the coats. He held the people's coats while they stoned him. Right. Um, and he's saying my conscience is clear because at the time he did what he thought was right according to his conscience according to his conscience in the law if you blaspheme you were to be stoned to death right they tried to stone Jesus multiple times and stone and Paul was stoned multiple times after he converted so um but he can still constantly say my conscience is clear but that doesn't prove that I'm right so he's saying my conscience is clear but that doesn't mean that I'm right I was wrong but I still have a clear conscience because I was acting according to what I thought was the will of God. Right. And so you can, like I said, you can have a clear conscience and still be wrong. You can do what you think is right and still be wrong. But you still have a clear conscience because, as we went back before, if you do what you believe is right, then you're not sinning. But if you do what you if you don't if you do what you don't believe is right, you do if you do what you believe is wrong, then you're sinning against your own conscience. All right. Um, and so your conscience also can be damaged, right? So you can you can you can your conscience can be damaged, and so that's why we have to be careful because we see here you can do things that are right in your conscience that are actually morally wrong right because it, your conscience can be damaged and so you, you can run into a situation where you think you're doing the right things but because your conscience is damaged or because it's um the bible says seared like um you can put yourself in a situation where you're doing things that you believe it was right like paul believed that he was right that are actually wrong and so um, and that is very dangerous because it can also affect your faith. A lot of times when you see conscience in the Bible, you also see faith along with it. Because you can't, you can't believe in something, you can't believe something is right and not have a conscience about it. So like, so again, like the meat sacrificed to idols, you can't believe, if you believe in idols, then your faith is affected by those by your beliefs and therefore your conscience is affected by that belief and so vice versa if i say well i want to be a millionaire and i believe that god wants me to be a millionaire if my conscience is telling me that god doesn't want me to be a millionaire then i can never have faith that i'm actually going to be a millionaire right it affects your faith in that way right because you're you're, you're you'll never have faith in something that you don't believe in you never have faith in something that you don't believe is right, I should say. 
Um, if you believe it's wrong, then you can't have faith in it. If I think it's wrong for people to have money, then I, I can't have faith to have money. And so my conscience affects my faith and vice versa. My faith affects my conscience. Um, and we'll see. Let's see. First uh, Timothy verse one. I'm sorry. First, Tim, first Timothy chapter one. And then verse 18. And it says. Um, sorry, actually, it's. Verse 19, it says, uh, well, we can start with verse 18. Timothy, my son, hear my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. So, again, Verse uh, verse 19, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. And then he gives an example. It says, Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. And so these two people... Um, I don't know exactly what they did, but clearly it was something really bad um, that they deliberately sinned against their conscience. Uh, Paul's saying they blaspheme God. So they deliberately, we all know it's wrong to blaspheme God. So they deliberately sinned against their conscience. And because of that, Paul says, I threw them out. He threw them out of the church and handed them over to Satan. I don't know about you, but I do not want anybody handing me over to Satan. Um, so that they might learn not to blaspheme God. And so we see here, when you deliberately sin against your conscience, it has dramatic effects on your faith. So that your faith, their faith has been shipwrecked. Um, and so you have to be careful, again, about how you, what's it, first of all, what's informing your conscience, but then also how you react to your conscience, right? Some people, they constantly do something so much you get desensitized to it. So you're, you're desensitized to your conscience. Like if you sin enough, you do enough of the same thing, eventually you kind of feel like, uh, it's not that bad. If you lie, right? The, the, um, there's a, a saying that goes around it. Like if you lie enough, you eventually start to believe your own lies, right? And so it's the same thing. Like eventually, like, and that's basically what Paul's saying. If you do it enough, you shipwreck your faith to the point where you just you you believe that you believe whatever you're doing. If you lie enough, if you if you uh, commit adultery enough times or whatever it is, eventually you get to the point where you're like, it's no big deal. It's all right. God is God's not mad at me. Actually, you know what? It's fine. Right. That's why you have you have some people that. They do things that are against the will of God, Christians especially, and you're like, how are you doing this? And they're like, it's fine. And then they, find, they try to find scriptures to justify it. And they're like, yeah, no, but the Bible says right here, you know, that, that. you're like, no, nah, that's not what that means. But <laughs> okay. Um, and so you have to be conscious, again, like, like that GPS, you got to constantly be informing your conscience of what God says updating 200 million plus times a day of what God says is the right thing to do. Um, so let's look at some ways 
that you can recalibrate, um, since we're sticking with this theme, uh, uh, your conscience. And I had that, but I'm not going to use it. Um, you can recalibrate your conscience uh, to help you uh, get back on track if you fell off. Or just be maintained where you're at. Right, because as Brother Kevin said last week, we should always be informing our conscience. We should always be mindful of uh, our conscience is constantly changing. Is what he said actually, right? And so things we believe ten years ago, five years ago that were right because of our growth in Christ, they may not be right. And so we should always be constantly looking to grow, um, having that growth mindset and learning new things. So um, the first one is building up the weak, right? So these are ways your conscience can be recalibrated. So Romans 15, uh, Romans 15, verse 1. Romans 15, verse 1. And I think my computer is like struggling, so... Technology is good, but sometimes, you know, <laughs> got to go through the trusty old Bible. So, Romans 15 verse 1 says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. This is the ESV. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for, for, good, for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but it, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So again, it's our obligation as those who are stronger in conscience to build up, to bear with the failings of the weak. So it's again, you don't argue with the ones who don't agree with you in matters of conscience. You, you can argue over sin, but you don't argue with people over um, if they're weaker in conscience when it comes to things that are not expressly written in scripture as sin. And it says, and it's our obligation as the stronger in conscience to bear with them who are weak. Because they're, uh, we like to call them baby Christians, right? It's, it's our responsibility as a parent of two toddlers. It's my responsibility. It's my obligation to be Nurturing and to bear with my children when they don't understand what's right and wrong in certain things, right? I can't get mad. I can't get frustrated. I can't yell and scream at them when their conscience is weaker than mine because they have only been here three and eighteen months, three years and eighteen months, right? And so the same thing in the as a Christian, as my brothers and sisters, I can't argue with you. I can't be frustrated with you. I can't. I have to bear with you. When you're failing in things of the matters of conscience, if you've only been a Christian, you've only been born again for three years, 18 months, six months, whatever, even 10 years, 20 years, right? Because we're all constantly growing and we're all growing at different rates at different paces based on how we are developing in our faith. And so um, it's our obligation. Paul is saying, we who are strong, it's our obligation to... Please our neighbor and build them up because Christ did it for us, right? He didn't come down and say, 
y'all wicked sinners, like, it's, you know what, it's a wrap for y'all. Like, he came, he bared with us. He taught the disciples. He taught, like, you know, he got frustrated at times. Because he was like, how long do I have to be with you, faithless generation, right? So <laughs> clearly there was times when he was frustrated. But he always kept in mind, like, okay, they don't have the 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 experience, in his case, eons of experience that I have, right? Um, they've only been on this earth. They've only been alive for whatever it is, 30 years, 40 years, whatever. Um, and so I have to bear with them. And so we have to do the same with our bro- weaker brothers and sisters, right? So, and in turn, it builds our conscience, right? Because we're being informed of things that aren't really that important. We're minoring. Some people minor on the major things instead of majoring on the minor. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm gonna say. You should be minoring on the minor things and majoring on the majors. But some people do the reverse, right? They major on the minors. Um, and so it's our responsibility to say, you know what, it's, and it, it, only, it only makes you stronger, right? If you can look at something and say, ah, you know what, actually that's not a big of a, as big of a deal as I thought, then you're maturing. And so at, by building, by bearing with the weaker, it helps you grow up, right? Like they say, they say the best teachers, the, the teachers also learn as they teach, right? As you're teaching someone, you're like, you know what? Actually, I learned, I learned something new. But that I thought, I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew this thing back and forth. But actually, as I'm teaching you, I'm learning new things. And so it's the same thing. Um, that, so that's a way you can build up your conscience as well by teaching others. Um, and bearing with them through this. Um, go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. And Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Um, all things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the good on the ground of conscience. Is that word conscience again? <laughs> For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the grounds of conscience. There we go again. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. So let me read that part again. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, do not eat it for the sake of the one who informs you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. So again, Paul's here saying, he's saying, all things are lawful, but not everything is helpful. Not everything builds people up. Um, and he's saying, so if you want to eat meat, sacrifice to idols, go ahead. 
if you want to if you want to go to a sinner's house and eat whatever they have and 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 you know that they not not only are they sinners maybe they're of some pagan religion right eat whatever they put before you but if they tell you this has been sacrificed to my god then don't eat it not because you can't not because it's a sin but for the sake of the person that told you that because in their mind that god has power and so in their mind in their conscience if you eat it you are you are partaking in their worship to their god and so he's saying what why should why should my liberty be be determined by someone else's conscience and then he goes on to say at the, at the end he says i don't seek my own advantage but that of many that they may be saved so at the end of the day i got all the liberties in the world but for the sake of the person that told me that they sacrificed that to the idol and for the sake of their salvation i won't eat it even though i could i won't and so again it's bearing up with the is bearing up with the weak of conscience so that they might be saved and they might not stumble. Make sense? Yes, amen. All right. <laughs> um, so along those lines, uh, I'm getting close on time, but so another one to build up your conscience, recalibrate your conscience, is to choosing to abstain from things due to former associations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you choose to abstain from things due to form of association. So again, in my example, secular music, secular raps particular specifically, I choose to abstain from certain things due to form of associations. Not because I can't listen to it. I know in my conscience that I'm free and clear to listen to whatever I want. But because of former associations, I choose to stay away from it. And so um Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'll show you why. Um, there was a lot of food being sacrificed to idols back then. <laughs> now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something he does not yet know, as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. This for... Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there may be, there are many gods and many lords, little g, little l. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for, for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, to whom all things um through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, however, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not con- commend us to God. We are, no, we are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, 
will will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? Will he not be encouraged if his conscience is, is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so your by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. Right. Um, the brother from whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So little context here in First Corinthians eight. Um, there's a lot of, you know, if you just look at uh, Greek and Roman history and mythology, there was a lot of temples to their gods right and so these people these christians and the the corinthian church they got saved filled healed delivered all that and they like yo we can do whatever we want and so at some point apparently there were there were some christians that were like we can do whatever we want so we're good so we're gonna go to the temple and we're gonna go to the the, the pagan temple whether it be artemis or or uh zeus or whoever and we're just going to go chill and we're going to eat. We're going to eat the, the food there because I guess the food was good. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that must have been the hangout spot. But Paul is saying, we know, you know, you know now because you're saved and you're a Christian and you believe in God and you've been delivered that that idol has no real existence, has no power. And so you can eat it. Sure. Go ahead. But for the ones who see you, they have former, the, the weaker Christians, they have former associations. They used to go to that temple. They used to go to that club. They used to go to that party. They used to go to that block. They used to go to whatever it is, right? And so for them, it still has power. Their conscience hasn't been developed yet. They don't. Their knowledge hasn't been there yet. And so for them, it's a stumbling block because now they're saying, you're saying, well, come on, come on, come to the club with me, right? Come to the club with me. It's fine. It's fine. Look, look, the Bible doesn't say anything about going to the club. Right? And they're like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to go to the club. I don't. And you're like, come on, come on, we're just gonna dance. We're not gonna do anything. You don't have to drink. We're just gonna go. We're just gonna have fun. And for them, they're sinning against their conscience. And Paul's saying, because they sinned against their conscience, they sinned against Jesus Christ. Because for them, that idol, that club, that drink, that whatever has power still because they're weaker in their conscience. They haven't grown, right? They haven't they haven't developed to meat yet. They're still on milk, right? And so he's saying, abstain from those things of former association until your knowledge, you don't have to do it forever, but until your knowledge informs your conscience enough that you're not feeling like, you're not feeling convicted, right? As long as, obviously, it's not a sin. But, um, so that's another uh, it's another way you can build your conscience. Abstain from those things due to former association um, that would that affects your conscience, right? So again, like like I said with me, secular music, I'm still I know it's not wrong, but because of former associations, I just stay away from it, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that if I go to a party or something like that, a cookout or whatever, and they're playing second music, I'm like, oh, I'm sinning. Like, I'm good. Because my knowledge has got progressed to the point where I know, right? I know better. <laughs> um, the next one is educating yourself on God's moral standard. All right, so First uh, Timothy chapter 4. 
First Timothy chapter four. I passed it. And now we got hot again. All right. <laughs> now the spirit, first Timothy chapter four, verse one. Um, now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity wow, of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. And so again, Paul's telling Timothy, um, Paul's telling Timothy, there are people who have devoted themselves not to God, but to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And through the, the, through the insincerity of liars, their conscience are, have been seared. And it, so they forbid marriage and require, and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving. And so basically what, God, what Paul is saying is some of these people have departed the faith based on their, their conscience because their conscience was, has been informed not by God, but by Satan, basically. He's saying deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, and insincerity of liars. That's all from Satan, right? Um, he's the father of lies and all of that. So we have to, so what, basically what we have to do is do the opposite, right? So these people have departed from the faith because they've devoted themselves to everything opposite of the faith. And so we need to devote ourselves to everything in the faith, right? Joshua 1 8 says, meditate on the law, what, day and night. And don't let it depart from your mouth. And then you will have good success. You'll make your way prosperous, right? So there's benefits to it as well, outside of just informing your conscience and, and being a better Christian, if you, you know, use that term. Um, it's, there's, there's, the, the physical benefits, the actual, the, the here and now benefits, right? But we should be meditating and devoting ourselves to scripture daily, day and night, right? Don't let the law depart from your mouth. Um, and that should be informing our conscience. Again, that 200 million times per day update. What's updating your conscience? What's recalibrating your conscience, right? If you, what's, how are you recalibrating your conscience? You step on a scale and it's 20 pounds overweight. <laughs> you, after you finish cursing the scale, you're gonna wonder if it, if it needs to be recalibrated. <laughs> I don't think I gained that much during COVID. But <laughs> so it's the same thing. You gotta constantly be recalibrating your conscience. The same way you have to constantly recalibrate your GPS. The same way you have to constantly recalibrate a scale. The same way you have to constantly recalibrate the speedometer in your, well not, not constantly, but sometimes you have to recalibrate the speedometer in your car. Right. Um, it's just a, it's an instrument that sometimes can be swayed either way. Right. If you hit a pothole and your wheel alignment goes off and you don't realize it, you're driving straight. 
And if you let the wheel go, it might be a little slight drift. But long enough, you wait long enough, you're going to end up in somebody else's car, in a ditch, in somebody's backyard, <laughs> off the road, off the bridge, whatever, right? It might not be, it might not happen here or even, you know, depending on how far off it is, but it can be one degree. There's a, um, I read this, I don't remember where, I read so many books, but I read this in a book that said like, um, or it might have been an article, but they were talking about, for some reason I was reading about people getting lost in the desert, I don't know. Um, and they were saying that if without a compass or if the compass is off, if you're just one degree, or even sailing, if you're just one degree off, by the time you, I think it was like, by the time you reach whatever destination you're trying to get to, well, you wouldn't reach it actually, you'd be way off. But in a matter of time, you'll be miles off course of your destination. If just one degree, and we know one degree is like, you know, basically like nothing. It's not even noticeable. And so when you think about that, it's just you're constantly drifting, as a, right? And so you can drift. It's the same thing. If God is not constantly informing your conscience, you can slowly drift off course. And at the end of your life, you can find yourself way off of where you started. In the same way, if you recalibrate back the other way and you start to steer yourself towards God, you can find yourself on course and far away from where you would have ended up if you didn't, if you hadn't been taking those steps. Um, And the last one we already covered, so it's not indulging in Christian liberties for the sake of Christian liberty. And so again, it's not indulging in those things just because I had the freedom to indulge in them, but being mindful of my brothers and my sisters and where their conscience is versus mine, as well as not indulging in things that are Christian liberties because someone told me that they're Christian liberties, but my conscience tells me that I shouldn't be doing that, right? Even if you can show me a hundred scriptures, if I'm not convicted here, because again, we talk about conscience being connected to your faith. If I'm not convicted here, then I don't believe that. And so I'm sinning against my conscience because I don't believe, even if I see it in scripture, I haven't gotten to the point yet that I believe that it's okay. And so I'm sinning against Christ. I'm sinning against God, like Paul said, because I'm sinning against my conscience. So that's all I have. I uh, hope we blessed. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, You can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.